1: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith, wherever you get your podcasts.
2: No sooner do we get used to one version of COVID than another comes along. Just over a month ago, I spoke to co-host Madeline about how worried we should be about Omicron. Omicron. <laughs>
1: For example, as science editor at The Guardian, you've been following the emergence of new Covid variants closer than most. Why is Omicron...
2: But within a few weeks, a close relative started to hit the headlines. Staying with the
0: pandemic, governments around the world are tracking the spread of what is considered to be an offshoot of the Omicron variant. Scientists have labelled it BA.2.
2: As the world struggled to get to grips with the original Omicron, known to scientists as BA1, one of its cousins, the BA2 subvariant, was quietly taking off in Denmark and India. And the World Health Organization has now said that there is a sub-variant of the COVID-19 Omicron mutant variant that has now been reported in at least about 57 countries around the world. Studies indicate that this particular subvariant could be even more infectious than the original Omicron variant of the coronavirus. So, how worried should we be about the new Omicron subvariant, BA2? From The Guardian, I'm Ian Sample, and this is Science Weekly. Nick Lohman, you're Professor of Microbial Genomics and Bioinformatics at the University of Birmingham, as well as part of COG-UK, a consortium of scientists and organisations that's been sequencing coronavirus genomes throughout the pandemic. The most recent one we're hearing about is BA2. What's its relationship to BA1,
0: the original Omicron, if you like? Yeah, this is slightly complicated, so I'll try and simplify it. So BA1 and BA2 can both be considered to be omicron so so they share what we call a common ancestor they uh, have a, a shared evolutionary history and and although they are distinct BA2 has nearly 30 mutations that we don't see in BA1 they belong to the same family so you could think about BA1 and BA2 as cousins but BA2 didn't obviously descend from BA1 they're kind of related but they're related back in time. So why doesn't BA2 get its own Greek letter? To get a Greek letter, the WHO needs to designate that particular type of of coronavirus. It needs to have some biological evidence that it's significant. So perhaps the mutations that we see are likely to impact one of those key properties like transmissibility or severity or immune escape. And evidence of spread. Um, and quite often we'll see one without the other. Do we know where BA2 was first detected? Yeah, so uh, BA2 was first detected in South Africa, which is, of course, played an important part in the origin of BA1. But of course, where you first observe an outbreak or an epidemic is very, very biased. You know, it relates to places where there are a lot of cases you know, and, and it also reflects the ability to detect those cases and sequence those cases. And we know that uh, some countries have much better genomic surveillance. And and our, our best guess as to the origin of both BA1 and BA2, the most likely place of origin would be a, a single individual, maybe a few individuals living in close quarters, and perhaps uh, associated with immunodeficient individuals. One's who perhaps can't mount a really effective antibody uh, response that gives the virus enough time to survive and grow and find and test mutations out that will uh, allow it to avoid the parts of the immune system that are working okay.
2: we've got a good idea of how common BA2 is around the world now is it dominant anywhere yet
0: denmark is the leading edge of BA2 so in denmark it's now the dominant strain they're probably 2 or 3 weeks ahead of where we are in the uk where BA2 is uh, slowly rising to dominance and so when uh, denmark were able to estimate a growth rate advantage of BA2 over BA1 of about a third so it's growing there at about a third faster and, and anything that grows at that rate will ultimately take over from whatever else is circulating
2: it's interesting that ba2 is that much more transmissible than ba1 but that ba1 took off first
0: what's behind that yeah that's also a pretty curious question and uh we know that the start of any outbreak or epidemic in an individual country, particularly when we're talking about COVID, is really driven by the kind of force and the weight of the initial importations. So so a kind of simple explanation for that is that most of the cases that we imported into the UK, kind of late November, early December last year, uh, were of type BA1. So that type, even if it's not as fit, or it's not as transmissible as BA2, has this intrinsic advantage because there's just more of it. So over time, that advantage diminishes um, as BA2 kind of gets a chance to catch up. So that's the sort of
2: transmission, how fast this BA2 variant is spreading. I wonder what information we have on its immune escape. There was a recent Danish study, which hasn't been reviewed yet, peer reviewed yet, but it, it found that vaccines might be less effective against BA2. Do we know anything about this immune escape, how it compares to
0: immunity against BA1? If we think about Omicron generally, BA1 and BA2 combined, their success is almost entirely explained by their ability to escape uh, the immune system. And of course, we're seeing that in terms of reinfections. It's very common now to see reinfections of Omicron. And of course, we're seeing quite high rates of infection amongst people Uh, that are vaccinated. But your question was more about the difference between BA2 and BA1 in terms of immune escape. And I I think the jury's still a little bit out um, up to this point. We haven't had quite enough cases, but my suspicion is they're actually pretty similar, to be honest.
2: Presumably, as as the cases build up, as BA2 starts to gain ground in in the UK, but also presumably from data from Denmark already, we can start getting some sense also about if there's any difference in severity compared to BA1.
0: Fortunately, the Danish results are not suggesting that there's a significantly increased risk of being hospitalised, which is probably the key metric, with BA2 compared to BA1.
2: What do we know about reinfections? Is it possible that BA2 could cause another wave in countries that have already had high numbers of Omicron cases?
0: Yeah, I don't think it's that BA2 is causing you an, a new wave. I think what you're seeing is that this is a continuation of the wave that you're already in. Now, I mean, countries that don't have much Omicron yet may just skip straight to BA2, because that will become more likely that that will be what is imported into a country. But for countries that are in the middle of a wave, you know, like the UK, it's it's simply a, a shift from one variant to another.
2: Nick, around BA2, what do you want to know next? What are some of the big questions?
0: I guess I'm not so interested or worried about what is going to happen with BA2 next. What we really need to urgently understand about coronaviruses is is we need to really get our heads around exactly how and where new variants are developing. It's happened enough times to consider it to be a a pattern of a a new variant emerging every, say, six months or something with um, altered properties in terms of transmissibility, in terms of immune escape, in terms of pathogenesis, virulence and severity. So we need to get better at uh, trying to stop that pattern or or trying to reduce the impact of that pattern when it occurs because COVID is unfortunately not over and and I don't believe that Omicron will be the last wave. We are perhaps less at risk of COVID in terms of having reduced the burden of disease to a certain extent but um, I, I don't think we can count on that for the future.
2: Nick, huge thanks for coming on and taking us through all of this. Really appreciate it. Thanks very much. Thanks again to Nick Lohman. You can find all our coverage of COVID-19 at theguardian.com. Now, before you go, I just wanted to point you towards our new Guardian podcast, Weekend. You might have caught the first episode on Saturday on this feed, but if you didn't, do go back and take a listen. It's got the very best features from the week, including celebrity interviews, opinions, and lifestyle pieces. Search for Weekend on your preferred podcast app to subscribe. And that's it from us today. We'll be back on Thursday. See you then.
0: This is The Guardian.